Good morning. The scripture reading this morning is from Mark's Gospel, and we'll be reading from the first chapter. We'll begin at verse 32 and read through verse 39. If you're used to using a pew Bible, if you turn to page 707, that evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak, because they knew who he was. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him, and when they found him, they exclaimed, Everyone is looking for you. Jesus replied, Let us go somewhere else, to the nearby villages, so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. Thanks, Del. One of the things that we are doing this fall is that we are having a correspondence between the lessons on Sunday mornings during the sermon time and what's happening in our life groups at various times during the week. And so what Del just read is a close approximation of what I'm going to be looking at this morning. Actually, I'm looking at a different part of that scripture and actually looking at it in one of the parallel gospels instead of looking at it specifically from the gospel of Mark. So what I'd like you to do is right now, even though you just read from Mark chapter 1, I'd like you to turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 4 and verse 31. And this is on page 727 this time in the Pew Bibles. Luke chapter 4, verses 31 through 37, and I'm going to be looking at that in just a moment here. So you can expect, by the way, that when you go to small group, go to life group this week, that you may be looking at this scripture or one close to this, and we're going to be kind of paralleling those scriptures from the stories that are being told during life group at the orality on Sunday mornings as well, and I'm hoping that that'll be kind of filling out the story and balancing those stories out and that God will bless us through his spirit, will use those scriptures to teach us. I want to talk for a moment here this morning about amazement. Amazement. Or in common day vernacular, we might say awesomeness. Everything is awesome. Have you noticed that? doesn't matter what it is. Everything is awesome. Mom, you can prepare a meal and it's good. But if your teenager loves it, it won't just be good. It will be awesome. That was awesome, Mom. That was an awesome meal. Now, you wonder about the rest of your meals if it doesn't get the same acclamation. But at least for this one, we know this one is awesome. And then, if you're really astute and you're right up with today's language, then you might hear this, and this will surprise some of you, but I've seen this recently. These days, a lot of things are, get this, Sick. That's sick. 
And, and so I saw this on Facebook a couple of days ago when I made a reference to Ryan and Jessica's wedding and the fact that when Ryan and Jessica went on their honeymoon, they went through the Miami airport and they were on a shuttle going through the Miami airport and Ryan sat next to Alfonso Soriano. Now, those of you who are not baseball fans won't care about who Alfonso Soriano is, but Alfonso Soriano was a very good baseball player and he's, you know, he's been an all-star and that kind of thing. And, and Ryan, being a baseball guy, knew exactly who he was sitting next to. And so he texted me. In fact, I think it was right in the middle of church. And he texted me and said, Dad, I'm sitting two feet from Alfonso Soriano. I didn't text back. I was in church. But I got the message. So then when I got back home and I looked on Facebook, there were people who were responding to the comment that I'd made about Ryan and Jessica about their wedding. And I thought people, you know, everybody would be saying, congratulations. And there was a lot of that. But there was one person. In fact, his sister is sitting here this morning. Where's Bethany? Bethany, are you in here today? There she is. Bethany, your brother... Jeremy writes in response to all this stuff about the wedding and everything, he just puts this. He just says, that's sick. That's all he wrote. And I know that he wasn't writing, you know, like great wedding or something like that. He was writing to the fact that Ryan had been sitting next to Alfonso Soriano on the shuttle bus uh, going through the Miami airport. And he said, that's sick. Now, other people who don't understand that that's actually a good thing might wonder what in the world is being said about that being sick. Now, we, we do use this word in other ways. We know this. Like we know that the word sick is often used to mean that someone doesn't feel well or they have some kind of disease. Maybe you have the flu and it's said that you're sick. Or we could say that something is sickening. Like if there's been a terrible tragedy, an awful accident or something like that, a plane crash, somebody might say that the brutality that was there, the, the, the horrible accident, that that's sickening. And you might even hear, of maybe uh, you're thinking in terms of a Charles Manson kind of murder or uh, in our own day, Robert Pickton or something like that. People might hear what he's done and think of his mental state and say, that's sick, right? But to just say, that's sick to our teenagers would mean something entirely different. It's like this. If I walked over to, if I walked over here and I saw this fine young early life Max and I looked at this beautiful baby who is so impressive and so much like his mother and father in various wonderful ways and I looked at this baby and I said he's sick (laughs) Kevin and Patty would be horrified (laughs) Kevin would be thinking someone call an ambulance Kelly says the baby is sick or, or maybe, if we're thinking in terms of grotesque things, maybe Kelly is thinking, well, his head looks like an anvil. And that's sickening. But that's not at all what I would be meaning. He's a beautiful baby. He's a gorgeous baby. And so if Jeremy Roberts, if your brother was here, Beth, then he would look and say, he's sick. And everyone would smile with joy at the wonderfulness of that statement. So we do some things sometimes that are a bit strange with language. We know that there are changes that have taken place when we say things like, that baby is just totally sick. Well, let me take us in a different direction as far as this kind of thing. Is it really that sick that Ryan was sitting next to Alfonso Soriano? Like, it's, it's okay, But Ryan is not the first person to ever sit on a shuttle bus next to some kind of celebrity. 
I remember one time being in a concert. It was an Amy Grant concert. Most of us know who Amy Grant was. And Robin was sitting on my right, and I was sitting on the aisle. And it was totally dark in the auditorium. And all of a sudden, I felt this presence right next to me, kind of almost up against my arm, standing in the aisle. And all of a sudden, the lights came on, and the spotlight was right on me and Amy Grant together in the aisle. And so it's not that unusual that a person would be next to a a celebrity. It's nice, but it's not absolutely amazing. The Oilers played well the other night against Calgary, but their victory, was it really awesome? It was okay. We're happy for those who are Oilers fans, but a lot of people would say that it was just sickening rather than that sick, right? Yeah, it was just okay. Now, the Oregon Ducks football team, if you've been paying attention to U.S. football at all, possibly is going to be ranked number two after yesterday, and I'm a huge Duck fan. They may go into the BCS championship game because of what they did yesterday and because of the fact that Alabama lost. This is all fantastic. But is it really amazing that that's happening for them? I would say no. Every year there are teams that go to the championship game. It's not incredible that one would go again this year. So we tend to use superlatives in ways that don't necessarily fit. The birth of Maxwell is wonderful and awesome and amazing because God does great work. But the fact that a young couple like James and Nicola had a baby isn't all that surprising. There are young people in our church who are having babies and we have them regularly these days. So it's not like we would say, that's amazing, they had a baby. So those words get used in different ways. Well, a couple of times in the passage that I want to read right now, Jesus uses, or the the text uses the word amazed of the crowd in referring to Jesus. So I want us to look at this together. This is from Luke chapter 4, verses 31 through 37, page 737 in the Pew Bibles. Then he went down to Capernaum, a town in Galilee, and on the Sabbath began to teach the people. They were amazed at his teaching because his message had authority. In the synagogue, there was a man possessed by a demon, an evil spirit. He cried out at the top of his voice, Ha! What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, Jesus said sternly. Come out of him. Then the demon threw the man down before them all and came out without injuring him. All the people were amazed and said to each other, What is this teaching? With authority and power he gives orders to evil spirits and they come out. And the news about him spread throughout the surrounding area. Well, verse 32 here says specifically that Jesus was teaching with authority. Now what that means is that he wasn't like the rabbis. The rabbis would teach not with the authority of God behind them, but they would constantly quote each other. And so Rabbi Akiba would say something about Rabbi Shammai. And they would quote previous rabbis, previous teachers, and that would be the authority on which they based their teaching. Jesus, all of a sudden, comes along and gives some incredible teaching and doesn't use as his source some previous rabbi. And that throws them for a loop. The text, in fact, says that they were amazed 
at the teaching that Jesus was offering and that he wasn't using some other rabbi for his authority, but seems to have actually God's word and authority behind him. And it absolutely blew the people away. And so, rather than using a word in exaggerated ways, a superlative that maybe doesn't really fit, where we just refer to everything as being awesome, they are in fact amazed at listening to the teaching of Jesus. There's a sense in which these people are totally blown away because they have never heard this before. Then notice in verse 36. It says the people are amazed both at his teaching and his power, in this case, to cast out a demon. And the story is that Jesus goes into the synagogue, he teaches with authority, and in the middle of his teaching, somebody suddenly stands up and starts to yell. We know who you are. Jesus of Nazareth, you've come here to destroy us. And Jesus looking at this person, first of all, commands the demon to be quiet, which is amazing, and then says to the demon, come out, and the demon does. Notice, by the way, that the demon, when he comes out, he thrashes the man to the ground, trying to destroy him because that's what demons do. And so here Jesus is in the middle of a a worship service being confronted by a demonic force that is recognized in that day by, by everyone as having incredible power and he rebu- rebukes that demonic force and calls it out and it has to go because Jesus is there. And it says specifically that the people are amazed. And again, I don't think that they're just mildly amazed. I don't think that that word is being thrown around loosely the way we use the word awesome. But I think that there was genuine amazement on the part of the people when they recognized that this one standing before them is different from anyone they have ever met before. Now that's wonderful. But I sometimes wonder if we can capture the significance of the fact that Jesus is so amazing. Where's my, there we go. Jesus is amazing. Jesus is astounding. Something has happened here that has arrested people's attention. This is not just a good meal out of many good meals that someone might set before someone else. This is not even the wonderfulness of a newborn child. But you find here something astounding, which is absolutely blowing people away because of the new presence that they find in front of them. And I guess here's my point. Isn't it true that the amazing character of Jesus is today sometimes just lost on us? We don't get filled with awe very easily. We don't get truly amazed. And certainly not when we're just thinking about Jesus. There are people here, including myself, we've been in church for decades. We have been here for a long time. 
I don't know how long that Margaret Tidland has been going to church here exactly, but it's been a long, long time. And before that, she was somewhere else for years before she started attending here. And it would make sense. Now, I'm not saying this actually about Margaret because I don't think it's true of her, but it would make sense for so many of us that after a while, there would become something routine about our faith. That there would become actually something routine even about thinking about Jesus. And sometimes, unfortunately, because we just get used to this, the amazement is gone. One of the blessings of being in the Gospels and reading again about Jesus and sharing this together both on a Sunday morning and in a life group together is that we're acquainted again Walking anew with Jesus, with the possibility of seeing him maybe like we've never really seen him before, and, and are able to understand the glory and the power and the majesty of Jesus. And that's what we want very much to happen as we go through these stories, to understand who Jesus is, to be impacted again by his awesomeness. By the fact that Jesus is sick in an absolutely wonderful way. Now what does that mean for you and for me? I think it means that we're going to have an experience not unlike what the people experienced here, especially in verse 37. Look at verse 37. It says here, And the news about him spread throughout the surrounding area. And I just want to ask the question, why? Like, Why did the news about Jesus spread through the surrounding area? Why is it that from town to town, village to village, person to person, that there were these messages that were going out? If you read the the story right after this, both in the Gospel of Mark and in the Gospel of Luke, you find that there were throngs of people who were coming to Jesus. Right after this, there are so many people that come to Jesus and he keeps healing them, he keeps casting out demons, that he eventually has to take some respite. And he goes off into the wilderness by himself because he's so crowded by the people and he ends up praying. And even when he's out there praying in the middle of the night because he's so tired of all of the pressure from all of the people, they come and they find him and say, there are people, they're thronging, they want to find you. You need to come and to heal more people. And that happens because the people have been passing from one person to another the message that something awesome has taken place. There is somebody here that we have never seen before. There's a message here that we have never heard before. There is power here like we have never seen it before. This is amazing, they say. And because it is so amazing, the word just goes out. And my, my comment is, my question this morning is, what about us? Because I do think that with time this becomes for us routine. For for us we lose some of the amazement of what it means to understand who Jesus is. It's happened in my life. I have to confess this. It's happened in my life. There's a sense in which I've almost been a Christian too long. At times His majesty and His glory don't blow me away the way that they should 
There are times in my own life when I can take the Lord's Supper and forgive me, but there are times when I'm not as focused as I should be. There are some times when this meal doesn't mean as much to me as it should mean. There are times when someone can pray. Honestly, I'll tell you, there are times when someone can pray and my mind can wander. There are times when the word is read and my heart is not blown away. There are times when the word of God can be read before us and maybe I'm somewhere else or maybe I didn't turn in my Bible to that page. I'm, I'm off thinking about the Oregon Ducks. And it saddens me. It grieves me when I think about the glory and the majesty of Jesus that at times in my own life I'm just not as amazed and blown away as I should be. Doesn't that happen to you sometimes too? And I think God wants something different for us. He wants us to be absolutely bowled over by His glory on a regular basis. He wants us as we reflect on Him and who He is to be so impacted in our inner lives, in our spirits, that we are changed people. And He wants for the message to be so capturing that from person to person throughout the land, all over our city, that we keep talking to people about this one who is so amazing that we've, we've been put in touch with a message, with a power, with teaching that is so glorious that it blows us away. And we can't contain it. We can't hold it in. Can't begin to hold that kind of news in. I mean, here I am on a Sunday morning standing up and saying, I'm so proud of my son and his new wife and our daughter-in-law. I just want to share with you this great news about the fact that they got married and I had a chance to experience that and it was wonderful. And Cliff and Eden got married yesterday and we stand up and say, isn't this great? And we applaud and say, we're so grateful that God has blessed them that they found each other and they have this new life together. It's just wonderful. And Ken and Heather have become new grandparents. Tom and Brittany have become parents. A new little boy has been born into the world. It's absolutely wonderful. We wouldn't suppress that news for a moment. And those things, as wonderful as they are, do not touch the gloriousness of our Lord and Savior coming into the world and teaching like no one has ever taught before and having a power that destroys evil and casts out demons to where the demons shudder at the presence of Jesus and say, have you come to destroy us because they know they're done for? And that's the one before whom we sit today and who we sit in corporate communion worshiping and praising today. And that message of the awesomeness of Christ must impact us at such a level that the message can't be contained. And I pray that God works in our lives to 
to help us see his awesomeness. How amazing he is that we can't contain the good news about Jesus. Let's pray. You bless us in life, Lord, with so many things that they are wonderful. We we could describe them as amazing. Lives joining together, new babies being born. Those are wonderful things. Lord, help us not to have the message about you and your son become in us routine. Fill us again with excitement. Help us to be blown away by the gloriousness that is you. Help us to understand your majesty. Help us to be so grateful and to express the gratitude we should have for you being willing to come into our world and share with us your own presence and existence. And as we're put in contact with that message and with your power, as we experience your kingdom, fill us with that message. Let it be overflowing. I pray that every person here would overflow with the goodness that is you. And that the impact we have on the world because you are inside us is an impact that only could be described as divine. We praise you that you do this among us, that you give us this chance. Help us, God, to to sense that, to know it, to experience that, to have it overflow from us. It's through the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.